Hey, this is Seth Allen. Hey, Seth Allen, all platforms. This is uh, Pepe Sanchez, my secret basketball podcast. Pepe Sanchez is a real person. He does not know about this podcast. Uh, but if you want to check out what he's up to, at uh, Pepe Sanchez on Instagram. Beautiful f- photography uh, from the great uh, Big East and Argentinian point guard himself. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're, we're not talking about Renaissance point guards. Uh who played under Don Chaney in the Temple Owls with their matchup zone that nobody could figure out. Guys who put up weird stat lines like 2 points, 14 assists on the regular. Guys who helped defeat Team USA in the Olympics for their for their national team. Well, no, we're talking about uh, something else that nobody else asked for. Uh, the season is over, now we can officially rank every white American player. WAPS! We can do it. Now, this is going to be like my, um, <laughs> if you're familiar with uh, Moby Dick, uh, the novel, and if you're listening to this pod, of course you love literature. Uh, there is a, a controversial section within Moby Dick uh, where if you, if you simply removed that section, that book would read like a fast-paced, amazing, deep uh, action-adventure story with uh, themes of, you know, man versus nature and, and all of that stuff. Uh, but, uh, instead it reads differently because somewhere in the middle comes a, a something that's about 125 or so pages, uh, where the author Herman Melville, all time great, uh, decided to just write out a whale taxonomy. (laughs) Basically every, he decided to write down everything that he knew about whales and in the middle of that book. And, my man Herman knew a lot about whales. He, it's basically an actual account of everything humans knew about whales at the time he was writing it. And he's like, this book is not complete uh, without this. So, you know, a lot of times when you go and you read the actual thing or you watch the actual thing, it's different than how it gets represented in pop culture, you know, or how people talk about it. And I think uh, Moby Dick is definitely that way in a couple ways. First of all, when I finally read it, I was in my 30s, and I was like, well, nobody told me this book was funny. It's very funny. Nobody told me it was funny. It's, it's, it's almost an action comedy in some ways. And number two, nobody told me how much Herman loved whales. <laughs> nobody ever talks about that. They just talk about the whale, you know, you know uh, Ahab and the, you know, the whale crash in the boat and all that stuff. But anyways, much more to it than that, of course. And I bring that up because... This episode of Pepe Sanchez is like my version of the whale taxonomy. I'm giving you a full ranking of every white American player. Um, We're going to be freewheeling. I did a 90-second version of this for Instagram reels and on TikTok. But how much can you really get into in 90 seconds? Not much, you know what I mean? I had a hard time editing it down. You can check that out. Hey, Seth Allen on both those platforms if you want to see what it looks like when I'm trying to compress something that uh, I really have thought about too much <laughs> into just 90 seconds. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to go through the whole list, uh, things I considered, I considered, uh, you know, how much, do they have the dog in them? Woof, woof, you know. I considered swag, I considered moral worthiness, I considered uh, how good they are at basketball to some degree. Um, all kinds of observations. Another thing for the taxonomy you got to think about is really now in the modern NBA, there's, there's two types of American whites. Uh, well, I guess if we broaden it, if we go pan white, 
there's three types of whites. Uh, there's the Miami whites, the Utah whites, and the international whites. Now, American whites are all Miami or Utah, all right, except Max Struess, <laughs> who somehow also counts as an international. Max Struess plays so good that I actually forget that he's American, which is the highest compliment a white American player could receive, I believe. Like, he has his moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, he's, oh, yeah, he's from, like, Illinois. Yeah, I always forget about that. Oh, I thought he's from, like, Germany or something. So, uh, <laughs> and but no international whites are Miami or Utah whites, uh, except, no, Luke, Luca, Luca is a Miami white somehow. I'm not sure how all this works, or I just channel the information uh, from, from, <laughs> from the white gods, <laughs> from white Jesus. Uh, but he's not included here because we don't deserve him. None of our none of our white ancestors are included in these rankings who are who are over here just embarrassing us, showing us that the problem was actually us the whole time. Um, <laughs> we're not talking about this. Um, Sabonis, Demonta Sabonis, technically, as people may bring up, born in Portland, Oregon, because his dad, Arvidas, was playing for the Blazers at the time. Uh, but I'm not counting him. He did not grow up and develop in America. You know, he you know he joined Gonzaga, but you know he. He grew up mostly playing in, you know, Lithuania and Spain and all that. Um, I will be counting. This will be probably in a couple years, uh, maybe next year, I believe. Uh, Matas Buzelis, who's going to play for the G League Ignite and is a projected top twi- tr- top pick of the 2024 draft. Now, he refers to himself as a Lithuanian basketball player. However, uh, his parents are from Lithuania. He was born and raised in America. So I am going to count him once he is eligible, Okay. We got a, this taxonomy. It's I'm telling you, it's 125 pages in the middle of a book that you didn't see coming. Um, so, <laughs> without further ado, I think we've laid down the groundwork. Uh, tier one is the star whites. All right, now the top the top tier and number one in tier one, I have Austin Reeves. Now, this might be a bit of a surprise. Um, but Austin, you know, after the, the surprising role he played, getting, helping the Lakers get to the conference finals, uh, after shouting, uh, I am him <laughs> during the game and then proceeding to have a few bad ones after that, um, Austin has, I think he's captured the hearts and minds and he has, he has really snatched the title of coldest white boy. All right. He is the reigning CWB, um, and it couldn't have come at a better time because he's in a contract year, so he's going to get over the top. He's going to get crazy money, overpaid for sure. Um, and, you know, you can already see he, he's enjoying all the all the perks that come with the coldest white boy crown. He's dating uh, Taylor Swift, and the, the rumor said she was with him at a bar in Arkansas. So he's got Tay-Tay coming to Arkansas. Whew. Amazing. Um, and... <laughs> He's teaching her how to throw peanuts on the floor. Uh, and, you know, he's a, I'm sure he's going to be friends with Jack Harlow soon. You know, Jack might have to drop Tyler Harrow, make a new song called Austin Reeves. We don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Number two, I'm going with Chet Holmgren. Now, I know what you're saying. How can Chet Holmgren be number two? He has yet to play a single minute in the NBA. Well, it's because it's a weak list. <laughs> and also, Chet... Uh, This is almost like Obama getting the Nobel Peace Prize right when he took office, you know. I'm giving it to Chet 
to recognize the hope that <laughs> that, he, that he's creating amongst the interested folks, the whites. Um, and Chet also, he's already made history because no American white player has been drafted number two overall. That's the highest any has been drafted since the great Sox god himself, Keith Van Horn, in 1997. So he's already <laughs> made white American player history. Um and I do like Chet, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him back next year. Uh, number three, uh, Tyler Harrow, but the aforementioned Tyler Harrow, is, he's got to be sweating his friendship with Jack Harlow right about now with the ways Austin Reeves has been playing. Uh, Ty- Tyler, he was, maybe he could have stayed number one if he would have you know, played during Miami's run to the finals, but he was hurt. He was out. His future is in je- uh, even maybe in jeopardy, like, the Heat are looking to to put themselves over the top. They just got to the finals without Tyler. Do they need Tyler? Do they trade Tyler for something else? Who knows? Uh, we'll see. But uh, I think probably they keep him. I don't know. But uh, Tyler was uh, sixth man of the year last year, which was amazing. He's the first white American player to be sixth man of the year since Mike Miller, who was everybody's best friend, uh, in 2006. So he is a star white for sure. And that's it for Tier 1. We got three. Tier two, I call these the premium role whites. These whites will, you know, they'll play a role on your team, but they will they will be a star in that role. Highly, highly valuable. Uh, fan favorite, of course, that goes without saying, right? And number one of the premium role whites. When, I, when you imagine, when you close your eyes and imagine who this is, you know this whole tier, nobody but one person comes to mind. Alex Caruso. Bald head, headband, uh, defense, um, the Caruso, all of that. And so I got him number four overall and and the top in the premium roller whites tier. Alex Caruso this year was first team All-NBA defense. He was the first white American player guard to make first team All-Defense since a guy named Don Boos, who played in 1980. If you type Don Boos into Google... You will see black and white images, okay? <laughs> this guy played in the ABA <laughs> for one, two, three, four. For the first four years of his career, we're in the ABA, all right? Uh, so, I mean, a very rare uh, six-time all-defensive, but just a very rare achievement for a white American player. Uh, Alex Caruso is like the, the lockdown corner, <laughs> of white american basketball players uh number five i got walker walker kessler uh the only person who's just you know the rookie who made the list although the season's over no longer a rookie but walker uh i think on performance and potential um right in utah right right where the 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 white american power is at, at its at its strongest uh the fans are gonna love them they already forgot about rudy gobert uh, just an amazing, you know, uh, shot blogger and a guy who's, who was interesting cause he, he went to UNC, um, kind of wobbled, right? Then, <laughs> then he, then he transferred to Auburn and was overshadowed really by Jabari Smith. Um, got drafted, you know, still, still first round based on potential and his ability to, he, uh, to be an elite shot blocker. And it just, you know, kept going over as the course of the season went along. He just got better and better. And I think he's, I think this is justified, you know, and he's ahead of some, some solid whites here, some real vets 
uh, but I stand by that he's top five. I, for number six, I got Max Struess, the aforementioned, uh, the only <laughs> white American player I could consider in the taxonomy to also be international based on merit, not on anything else. Uh, you know, making it to the finals, uh, key member, you know, uh, off and on, you know, not not necessarily lighting it up uh, every single game of the postseason, but he, you know, he comes alive and plays tough defense and, and, and offensively every once in a while, uh, you know, affects the outcome of the game and it seems surprising every time but he's a he's a badass uh, and he deserves it and him and i kind of think uh him and duncan robinson who will come up later are, are kind of like one in the same if you put those two together you have a star white uh but on their own they are <laughs> both uh both premium role whites uh but number seven i got uh herder from the beam team all kev kev himself great season uh love to light the beam uh, redhead, the highest ranking redhead on the list, and perhaps only. Uh, <laughs> so really, he's pulling double duty here. Uh, <laughs> and so congratulations on him overcoming, you know, the odds as a ginger uh, and and making this list uh, a very effective sharpshooter. Uh, look forward to the beam team uh, keeping the momentum going, getting even better. Number eight, I got Gordon Hayward, piece of shit. Uh, you know, definitely a star white, one all-star game, uh, you know, went through Boston, which is a very popular white American destination, of course. Um, you know, down on the list because of injuries he's been having. Also, remember when it came out that his, his, uh, wife donated money to Trump? Uh, that didn't really come out very much, but it was a day on Twitter. And I never forgot it. Uh, number nine, I got Mason Plumley, who a lot of people, he takes a lot of heat for his, uh, <laughs> I don't know. People don't seem to like Mason Plumley, and I can't really figure out why. He's uh, he's fun. He dunks. He makes some surprising passes. Uh, he plays some defense. He's a valuable uh, premium role white to have on your team. And number 10, I got Duncan Robinson. Now, maybe he should be higher. All right. But Duncan was basically out of the rotation this year. You know, he's he's a specialist. He shoots threes, and the threes weren't falling. Maybe the confidence was shook. Maybe he had some injury or something, a combination of all of that. Uh, but he he doesn't give up. He's got the dog in him, as all the Miami Whites do. And uh, he, he, he worked his way back to play a key role in that finals run. So Duncan Robinson climbs back up a tier into the premium role Whites when really he was, he was a D&P White. Uh, you know, making a, an overpaid DNP white, which is the, the worst uh, kind of white, if you ask me. Uh, next tier down, uh, Duncan Robinson is 10th overall. The next tier down, I call the rotation whites. Just, you know, they can be in your rotation, They're useful in certain matchups. You know, on a good night, maybe they play up at a premium role white level. Uh, and leading this rotation whites list, I got Joe Harris, who uh, is actually like fourth all time in. Uh, in, in three-point field goal percentage. Pretty amazing. Um, seems like he, you know, had some injuries, still working his way back. Um, but I, I look for Joe now to, to kind of maybe move up a tier uh, now that he's out of the the, <laughs> the, the terror of playing with, with superstars and, and, and second-guessing himself and coming back from injury and all that. And number 12, Kevin Love, former star white, uh, still can get the job done for, for stretches, for, for small numbers of minutes. 
uh, despite being uh, old and depressed all the time. <laughs> 13, I got White Dante, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo uh, someone who Andre Iguodala said was surprised is good, <laughs> which, is, which is a classic white American player description. And number 14, I got Christian Brown from the Denver Nuggets, uh, another rookie on the list. Uh, really solid, you know, had that, had that really good game in the finals, very efficient, uh, plays defense. I mean, he really is the reason that the Nuggets uh, got rid of Bones Highland. Uh, and I also like that Christian Brown, Brown says Braun, pronounced Brown, uh, respect it. Uh, he, look, he's, he's, won an NBA, he's won an NBA title, an NCAA title. And a high school title, so he's a, he's a true champion at all levels. Uh, I heard him in an interview. He already talks black, so he's he's legit. Uh, Christian Brown, fourteen, but he's I look for him to be moving up, um, perhaps to the premium role. Whites, although on that stacked Nuggets team, it's going to be tough to get a whole lot more minutes. But but we believe we believe in Christian. Uh, Fifteen, Luke Kennard, uh, the great quarterback and and good NBA player. Uh, really helped the Grizzlies a lot with their shooting when he got there in that trade this season. Uh, Zach Collins right behind him, uh, former Blazers, uh, great, <laughs> great white hope, Zach Collins. Uh, still has an anger problem, uh, which I've always appreciated. Looks like the villain from an 80s movie. Um, but really, you know, I paid attention to him even though the Spurs were tanking last season because he was a scrap heap fantasy pickup towards the end of the season that really propelled me. Uh, you know, at the end of the year when people get mad because it's all about who's left that's having a good week and you're, you're dropping guys, you're adding guys. He's that kind of guy. He's that kind of late season fantasy team scrap heap gold kind of player. Uh, but, you know, his, he gets blocks and assists and rebounds and points. But I digress. Uh, also an anger problem. Uh, <laughs> then we got Pat Connaughton, who's busy gentrifying downtown Milwaukee. We got, uh, but he'll stay on the Bucks forever, no matter how bad he plays, because Giannis loves him. Giannis talks about how he's one of the best shooters he's ever played with. Uh, I mean, statistically, that is just not true. But uh, emotionally, if Giannis wants Pat there, Pat's going to be there, right? We got Cody Zeller, another Miami White, uh, who, <laughs> in one high-profile moment in these playoffs, uh, took a charge against Jokic right outside, like. On, while playing defense in the low post, which you rarely see, he got the call. Uh, real crafty, real crafty gamer, that one. And then we got, at the very end of the rotation, why it's coming in at 19, we got Grayson Allen himself, also uh, an anger problem. All right. Now we get into number 20, and we get into the bench mob whites. Uh, another name you could call this is the Boston Celtics whites. Uh, the guys on the Celtics team who play when the game is is not really in doubt for the most part. The blowouts, the garbage time, Boston Whites. Now, Boston, I feel like they could be their own category of white, but I feel like they are spiritually um, connected to the Utah Whites. I don't think I need to have a Utah White and a Boston White. Maybe I can combine those into a, a Boston Boston Whites. Miami Whites and Boston Whites. Okay, I'm going with Boston Whites. Um because, man, does Boston love a white American player. To their detriment, I would even say. So I ran the numbers. Um, the Celtics playoff roster is 28.5% white American players. Right? 28.5% white American players. That is about, I believe, uh, double 
overrepresentation based on the how many are in the league overall. Uh, but of despite being twenty eight point five percent of the roster, <laughs> they played four point four percent of minutes <laughs> combined in the playoffs. <laughs> okay, so you know I know you like having having uh, players that you're the people that in that arena will go nuts for and and secret and like talk about how much better they would be if they were getting more opportunities and and all that the backup quarterback stuff, but. Uh, you know, it might hurt you when you want to uh, actually be good at basketball as a team. I would even say that the maybe the Boston Celtics are cursed as long as they they carry uh, 29% of their team are white American players. <laughs> Nobody's talking about that. They're talking about, oh, they can't focus. Oh, they're too wobbly, inconsistent. Unless their back is against the wall, they can't, whatever. Mm, what about these four guys of dead weight on the team? All right, so anyways, we're getting into the bench mob. So I got Sam Hauser of the Celtics, number 20. Then I got Luke Cornett, also of the Celtics, at number 21. Now, Luke, he got on my radar this year because he started that. I don't think he created it. I think someone asked him about it, or maybe he did create it. I don't know, but he does that thing where he is not close to the guy shooting the three. He is standing by the hoop, and he just jumps as high as he can with his arms straight up in the air to block the person's, the shooter's view of the rim. And apparently, statistically, from what I've seen, that does actually work, <laughs> but it has got to be one of the dumbest things, the dumbest looking things I have ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> amazing, and I have to respect it. Uh, number 22, Corey Kispert. Uh, he's kind of turning it around. He's got some potential to, to sneak up in a tier next year. Uh, Doug McDermott. This might be unfair because I think Doug was kept, uh, you know, he, he's on the Spurs. They're tanking. Uh, maybe Doug is really belongs in the rotation whites. You know, McBuckets. Always been a bucket. Always been a great shooter. Uh, we'll see if he can get out from a, from a tanking organization. And maybe when, now that they got Victor, uh, they'll need an old shooter to, an old an old man who's still got the still got a little juice left, uh, to help to help keep the doubles off of Victor. Uh, Twenty four, I got Pepe Peyton Pritchard himself, who is one of these types of persons. It's been explained to me from different people different ways, but him Peyton in particular particular seems to attract a kind of like, uh, from from whites and from casuals. That oh this guy this guy is a baller you know and Peyton I respect Peyton he's a local legend I first saw him when he was a freshman in high school have that breakout LSI tournament um, but the, the this whole thing of like I've seen things on Instagram about uh, <laughs> you know honest things saying oh well the Suns are getting rid of Chris Paul and they're eyeing Peyton Pritchard I mean it's uh, it's some ridiculous stuff uh, and number twenty five right behind him relatedly John Conchar who gets a lot of praise. Uh, for being a guy who averages five points a game, uh, more praise. You got a whole thing about, you know, how he's just a. There's a whole article about the just the, the humble excellence of, you know, white John Conchar. Uh, you know, very coded. Uh, he doesn't seem to be great at basketball so far. Um, you know, based on minutes, he would be a rotation white. Based on outcomes, he is a bench mob white. All right. Uh, 26, TJ McConnell, uh, bring him back. <laughs> I haven't seen him play in a while. They're 27. We got another Memphis Grizzly, Jake LaRavia, the rookie, uh, who, uh, you know, 
um, show some things. Uh, I, I went and saw him at, in Summer League for the first time, and I was just upset because, you know, I wanted my guy Kenny Lofton Jr. to be getting those touches. So I was a little upset that they got old LaRavia up here, you know, taking all his taking his taking his uh, touches away. But uh, as he seems like he's all right. And then we got another Boston Celtic, the great Mike Muscala or Muscala. I don't even know. Uh, he seems like he's been in the league for hundreds of years, and I look for that to continue for hundreds more. Uh, then we got Dean Wade, who is not Dwayne Wade. We got Frank the Tank Kaminsky. Uh, I put Luke Cornett down twice, and you know what? I'm going to leave it. Uh, we got 32 Jay Huff. We got 33 Garrison Matthews. That concludes the Bench Mob Whites tier. We now can move on to the Struggle Whites, a.k.a. the China Whites. These are guys that some of their... Some of them are inspirational stories behind it. You know, like you got your Matt Ryans, who was like uh, delivering for Postmates uh, when he got the call to come back to the NBA, you know, things like that. Um, these are guys that you, you may see kick around the league or you may see uh, seeking opportunities overseas uh, in, the, <laughs> in the short term. You got Matt Ryan, as I mentioned, I've got him at 34 at the top. I got Ryan, uh, who I call Villanova. I call him, uh, you know, Arch... <laughs> Ryan Capicolo. Apologies if, if I've offended any uh, Italian Americans. Ryan Capicolo, thirty-five. So a lot of some Villanova, a lot of Villanova in this kind of this kind of area. Uh, we got Joe Weiskamp, uh, star of TBT himself. We got Dylan Windler. I think Weiskamp was the one who hit the game winner and got signed, right? We got Dylan Windler. We got a guy named AJ Green. Who, if I was just looking at roster names. I would have assumed a black guy, but uh, thankfully ESPN's NBA roster pages have photos, and I, I can, and I have confirmed AJ Green is a white. All right, and then we got 39. We got Jack White, number 40. We got Colin Gillespie, also a Villanova little guy. Um, had a fun moment. He's you know he was injured. This could be unfair. He may you know be able to move up uh, in subsequent seasons with the Nugs. Uh, but Khan uh, had a great moment when he was when Jeff Green was mic'd up and standing next to him on the bench, and Jeff Green told him to move out of his spot. And Colin stepped aside and said, "Sorry, Dad." <laughs> so I like it, but, but you know, uh, maybe he, I'll put a, I'll put an asterisk by Colin because I feel like he, he's one to watch. The sense of humor alone is has got to be worth something. Maybe it gets you up to the bench mob tier. We got Cole Swider, number forty-one. And then we got the bottom tier. I call this tier Myers Leonard. And coming in in the Myers Leonard tier is number 42, Myers Leonard. And that concludes the list of the rankings of every white American player. Uh, you can see, can you imagine how I how hard it was for me to do that in 90 seconds and try to make it anything like what I actually want to say? For social media, impossible what they do to us, impossible. Uh, but we don't we don't worry about those things here at uh, Pepe Sanchez. We just worry about you know the taxonomy and being true to it, you know, and being funnier than people say it is. You know, nobody talks about how the Pepe Sanchez pod is actually just great information, you know, fun facts, you know, surprising uh, amount of thought about things that don't seem to really be that interesting to anyone. Uh, but anyways, that's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we're in this fun part of the NBA 
uh, calendar where, okay, the finals just ended, draft coming up, then free agency, summer league, uh, the the world uh, the World Cup, the Bat FIBA World Cup is is uh, in August and September. Um, so we got a full plate of just absurdity and uh, flim flam uh, drama reality show type stuff to get into. Uh, can't wait. Um, that's it. Thanks for listening. Hey, Seth Allen, all platforms.